0: Hello, everyone, and welcome back to HBG Engage, the podcast. Um, Today, we are having a very, very important conversation, I feel. We're talking about your mental wealth and how you can use that to support your major life changes. And studies have shown that working from home has increased to 67% compared to 42% pre-COVID. While many were enjoying the increased flexibility, 49% of parents surveyed who were working from home reported finding it very difficult to combine work and care responsibilities compared to 40% of those who have never worked from home. Working from home is not a one-size-fits-all and some flexibility is needed. When we are stuck in an unfamiliar and also repetitive routine, our mental health can potentially be reduced due to a lack of external stimulation and also human interaction. This is why it's crucial that we work on our mental health, just like our physical muscles, our mind needs exercise and to be stimulated in order for us to grow. So with that being said, today we have with us Alien Adigado, director and clinical psychologist of Mindset Psychology. Hello, Eileen, how are you today?
1: Hello, good to be here, I'm good, thank you.
0: Thank you, thank you very much for uh, taking some time on to talk about a topic which I'm very passionate about and you being a psychologist, you're also passionate about. Um. But how are you before we, we I'm start? I'm doing
1: well, you know, we've just had about a couple of weeks since reopening. So this is exciting times for, most people oh, who have sure. struggled from luck- lockdown but also noticing the, the transitional changes mentally in terms of mentally and emotionally for clients during lockdown, getting used to that, the hardships of that, and then having to then transition back into 100%. normal uh, socialising everyday life. it It does take its toll and yes. that's why conversations like this about mental health is really important because it's not just – a static thing it's a dynamic thing that constantly changes
0: 100 percent. and with that being said and um, we want to kind of go into a little about people's work life as you said people have been stuck in the house working from home and now they're slowly trying to transition back into life and we've i want to talk about something that's quite important when it comes to work life it's it's emotional intelligence um so basically, I want to find out what what about emotion, emotional intelligence is so important. Um, how can we practice emotional intelligence in your workday and in your work life? And that's coming from an employee and an employer standpoint.
1: Yeah, well, first of all, I think it's important to define what emotional intelligence is. So it is an ability, just like, I guess, intell- intellectual intelligence, IQ. EQ is a measure of someone's ability to... Uh, be attuned to their emotions and feelings and to be self-aware, to have levels of empathy and be able to comfortably communicate how they're feeling. Mm
0: -hmm. That's exactly that. And do you find, within your realm of work, do you find people are very much aware of what that is generally or is it kind of, it's a point in, in a work life where people are only starting to realize emotional intelligence is... Something that needs to be really addressed, or like, what 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 do you yeah. find in your in your space of work?
1: I think it's more the latter that most people are starting to recognize the value of having a higher emotional intelligence, especially if it's something that. Um, you, you know it's something to have as a person not just for yourself to be fulfilled but yeah. to be a good leader to progress in your career to be able to work with different types of people and and do different things and so more and more people like employers are looking for leaders and employees that have got this emotional intelligence and we do notice that because of the way that interview questions are now framed less about what people know and the skills and capacities of what's on paper Mm -hmm. to now you know, understanding how a person would deal with conflict. Mm. You know, how would you deal with this difficult person? Or what do you feel about that? So there's a lot more conversation about emotional intelligence. And, um, I'm aware that I haven't answered your question about how is this helpful or how can it be helpful for people working from home Mm. to be more emotionally intelligent? Well, if we focus on understanding how we're feeling what triggers us what motivates us what gives us energy what drains our energy you can already see that that information is going to be so useful in order to by design create a productive work environment for yourself Mm -hmm. so that is something that we never got before because you know everyone was just lumped into the office environment and we had to adjust, adjust to that so we have the opportunity to create that perfect workspace for us uh, by understanding what what triggers us, what we need, what we feel, and what is available to us. And that really um, is based on how much you know about yourself. Yes. Yeah.
0: That is that is very very true. I find as especially for me personally, as we transition from. Working in the office into home, I found there was that time where I had to kind of almost pick up the slack of things that I would gain from going into the office and traveling into the office that I was no longer getting. For example, still trying to get up at the exact same time as I would when I was going into the office and just maybe going for a longer walk than I would initially. So like you said, I think that, that transition, understanding what you need whenever things have completely flipped itself over on the other side is is really important and something that will help with your mental health for sure. Mm. We mentioned about going from working in the office into home and emotional intelligence. It's It's a lot easier to pick up on social cues with people when you're in front of them face to face, having a conversation. But obviously when everyone's been working from home, a lot of our conversations have all been virtual and have been virtual for the past year to two years how how can we improve our emotional intelligence? this is for me i i kind of find it hard to pick up an emotional um do emotional intelligence virtually mm-hmm. but do you have any any ways in which we can improve our ability to read body language over softwares like zoom and teams What what's your advice in that
1: yeah like i would say to create a Almost a simulation of what a meeting would look like, you know. Mm-hmm. So I, I um, allow people to drop in and arrive with a little bit of slack with the how you'd run the meeting. So mm-hmm. have a beginning, a middle in an end and so what I mean by that is if we were all coming into the office we would be kind of coming from different places sitting mm. down making a little bit of chit chat to start off with a kind of a little bit of a warm-up really yeah, yeah, exactly. and then get into obviously the meeting and the agenda of the meeting and then ending with a little bit of slack at the end again to have just that wrap up in again to simulate what real life looks like some people stand up and might have to go but there is generally this rapport that kind of gets maintained throughout which obviously has disappeared somehow, yeah. and and I can see why, because we tune in to the meeting, the meeting starts, this is on Zoom, mm. and then you say goodbye and you click a button and then the meeting disappears. Please, yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> and then you start and walk into a new meeting again. So there's not really that simulation of, um, Hum, like kind of human con- contact that yeah. is created in the meetings and it just does feel f- quite flat. Mm. So that's one thing That's one thing that we can do is create a beginning, middle and an end in your meeting, which might mean that um, you might not have to be able, you, you can't pack the meeting too much, you yeah. know, if you're yeah, going to try and like leave room for those things. But also for you to maybe plan on, um, having time for everyone to speak as well like you know that's not really the unusual thing in a meeting where you know people that have something to say will say but i guess in virtual teams you want to be able to make sure everyone's being seen and being heard because that's how we can read them because in a room when someone's with you we can of course see, see them, see them their body language, and body language yeah. how they're sitting and we can kind of pick up their energy in the room That's and in digital you can't they're just faces and so in order to to extract more information to mm-hmm. see how engaged and distracted or connected people are and it helps people to be connected as well when they know that they are going to have time in that meeting to speak up to be seen and to be heard then that really goes a long way um in in that virtual world of emotional intelligence using that because you can get that information people feel connected because they are being um given the time and the space to exist in the digital world where people can kind of just go
0: Silent, and, Silent yeah. and
1: bland in the background, um, and yeah. So I think that that's actually kind of even a quite a caring thing to do.
0: Yes, I in love that.
1: in that environment.
0: Yeah, you made a very good point there, giving people the opportunity to be heard and seen, because it is so easy, especially if you're in a Zoom call and there's maybe fifty or sixty people in one Zoom call on a Friday afternoon. Yeah, it's so easy for everyone to log in, but then you could have maybe. Half 50 to 75% of those people that have just just logged in and just sat there. And then, especially in a time where people can easily feel so alone, it is, as you said, very important to give people that space to kind of engage, even if they may not naturally want to, even just saying like individually saying hello to them. So they just respond, say, hey, and then they don't have to have a conversation. But the idea of, yeah, well, there's 60 people in here, but I've just seen that you've logged on because I'm looking for you. And it probably would allow people to feel a lot more wanted and needed mm. and appreciated. Mm. Something as small as that. Yeah.
1: And I wonder whether if, if the team is 50 people and there is going to be a big meeting, of course, we're not going to have the time yeah. to go I- individually. And whether it is actually then um, something that the managers might want to create are yeah. s- little smaller subgroups mm. where that kind of interaction is much more of a touch point, yes, you know, where I they like can that. debrief and go and be seen and be heard in those spaces. Yes,
0: I love that. And um, with that being said, um, how can we as individuals mold our environments to kind of to, to benefit our mental health?
1: Well, as you said earlier, well, not one size fits all, Correct. so it's about going back to that emotional intelligence and knowing more about ourselves and really honing in on what has worked for us, what hasn't worked for us, and thinking about what is important to us. So, you know, that work that we do in psychology in regards to identifying your meaning and purpose goes back to what are your values, Mm -hmm. what's important to you. And if we can actually, like, focus on what those answers are and reflect on those questions, then we can work backwards from that and then create the environment yes. that would um, give us the the pathway to feeling aligned with our values. Because yes. we know and research have shown that the more your work or any anything that you're doing in life more aligns with your values, the more fulfilled and happy you are.
0: Yes, that's true. Mm. That is true. Um, You made a very good point there. If you find out what your values are, then work backwards from that. That's how you can help to create a very healthy environment for yourself. So if if I'm just thinking from layman's terms here, very simple, if you're someone that's very interested in health and fitness, you should make sure you incorporate that into your everyday life on a regular because then that's gonna help your mental health a lot better. If you're someone that loves cooking, incorporate that into into your everyday life because that, again, is going to improve and make sure that your mental wealth is at a very, very high level.
1: Yeah. And and I think there are the basic things that help us build that foundation. And they're basically the ones that, you know, time and time again, um, we have available information and resources about it, you know, um, diet, sleep and exercise. But it's easier said than done, isn't oh, yeah. it? Like, <laughs> I, I don't think we all need to be experts to know yeah. sleep, diet, and exercise and how much it influences Your overall our mood, our yeah. well being, and then, you know, everything really, decisions follow from that. Yeah, sure. So, having that good foundation to start off with, I mean, here we are talking about values and meaning <laughs> and purpose, but I, you know, the foundation of that the assumption is that we're working on those things that keep us healthy so that we can then make. Healthy choices and decisions, and manage stress yes. accordingly.
0: Yes, for sure. And how can you, um, how can employees or managers help support their employees' um, mental health in in the workplace?
1: Well, I always say that. Um, you know, the value of mental health and boundaries and well being starts from the top. So, mm. for managers to really think about um, their own mental health and well being, and that means that they have to be the kind of the model really mm. of what's healthy. And once that is in place, and that could be something like, you know, not doing overtime. Yeah. <laughs> and sending emails at like 11pm, mm. you know, because that's kind of sending the wrong message in terms of what is expected of work yeah. or being able to also um, not be so hard on yourself, you know, to kind of be reinforcing of... Praise and wins and celebrating wins rather than actually being critical yes. and and negative and pessimistic about mm. projects and deadlines and so on. So all of that creates the energy that a team feels, the cultural environment at which people can thrive or people can thrive but feel pressure, and um, that could be negative. You know yeah. that could be seen as a negative because when people are getting things done. It looks the same mm. you know when everyone's working hard it looks the same but the difference is sometimes the process can be different so i could be working hard because i have let's say a boss that like um threatens me
0: mm. you
1: know you won't get that project or you're gonna miss out on that promotion yeah, you if you, you do xyz yeah versus you have another boss that would be much more complimentary and encouraging and saying, look, this is something that you've got this. This is something that's gonna showcase your abilities. I think that that's gonna be really great opportunities for you once you've actually done this project and I want you to really do your best. And so which one would be more fulfilling exactly. for you know those two scenarios, even though the end goal is, the gonna, end be the goal is gonna be the same. Yeah. But the feeling and what that person achieves or feels at the end of that goal is very different.
0: Very true. Very true. I just wanna to touch back on something you, you mentioned there. You mentioned about how we can sometimes get to an end goal and almost not enjoy the the complete so, for example, you get to an Angola project, and you sometimes people can be so invested in work and wanting to constantly um, keep going and, and doing another project, doing another project that they don't actually take time to appreciate how far they've come and, and enjoy the wins. Because I find a lot of people don't live, allow themselves or give themselves the grace of, like, I've, I've done so well, I've now. I'm now where I wished I was two years ago. Mm -hmm. And then they get to that point and they want more, which there's nothing wrong with wanting more, but I think there's a lot to be said about people sometimes taking a step back and appreciating and giving themselves the time to kind of relax in in a win that they've been wanting for a long time. Do you find that people would sometimes don't do that? They kind of, they're so ambitious to a fault Mm -hmm. where, they mm. constantly are pushing themselves without giving themselves the grace of mm. um, just being comfortable for a second. Yeah,
1: no, you know absolutely. I mean? This is a, a big, big problem because the cli- most of the clients I see, for example, they would be very talented, well-achieved individuals, but finding that they get to a certain level in their career or their life and on the outside looks fine um but really how they're feeling is is that there's still a lot lacking yeah. you know so they're operating from that place of um if i do this or my next goal is then i can i can start yeah. thinking about that holiday or i can actually like you know feel better about where i'm at but most of the time we know that they get to that point which is what you were saying and don't actually have those feelings and so it's not really about the goal itself it's actually about the process Mm. at which you are engaging in life and um how you are achieving that goal what do you do and how engaged or connected are you with family friends work Leisure yourself yeah. as a whole in the process of achieving that goal, because most people can just achieve the goal and feel nothing yes, at exactly. the end of it.
0: Exactly, I've 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 been like that before, and I'm, I can say I'm a lot better. um In terms of work life, work life for people is a very important aspect of their everyday life, especially when it comes to moving or even staying in a job, and it's a very very major life decision, especially. If, it, if you're in a career that you absolutely love and sometimes maybe the job is not serving you the way it once was, or maybe you just want a different change. um, How does someone analyze whether or not they should stay in the job that they're in? What are some variables that should be considered?
1: Yeah. Well, first of all, I wanted to say that um there's an average now and research showed that on average 3 to 5 times career changes is what's expected in a lifetime yeah. so you know just thinking about that you know how many times have i actually changed careers or mm. is this a, a one that i really need to do and then the second thing is reflecting on what it is that you like or dislike about the job because mm. often when people start to just feel Um, unhappy, they don't really break it down and reflect on particularly what it is that could be making them unhappy at work. So is it the environment? Is it the flexibility of work? Is it work itself? Is it your boss and colleagues, Mm. right? Like I was speaking to someone about the majority of people, so 44% of people that are unhappy with their jobs is actually related to being unhappy with their boss mm. so it's not the environment it's not the job it's not the pay it's
0: yeah, okay. it's, it's
1: the boss now we we don't we we're not going to suggest about it how <laughs> to deal with that here but it's just more of thinking you know when what is the pros and cons because to move to another job there's likely to be
0: more negatives.
1: Or Another cause, negative yeah. there versus, you know, the financial stress as well of not being employed while yeah. you're looking for work. And so just making sure that you have got it clear in your mind, what are the issues and you've weighed up the pros and cons for the issues. And maybe it's also helpful to ask yourself, have I done everything I could mm. to resolve or control what's going on here you know it's easy to say i don't like my job i'm gonna go and get another one but as we said it's not as easy as that and sometimes it's about looking at what you can do whether that is communicating Mm. with your boss a little bit more um, specifically about some of these struggles and asking for help and seeing what resources or what your employer can do for you yeah before you actually even think about leaving your job because we know that that's actually like a big challenge and a big change too 100
0: percent, and i guess it's it's quite important to kind of touch on concentrating the things that you can't control as well um because as you said you need to weigh up the pros and the cons but then really look deeply into why you're unhappy and think okay this is something i'm unhappy about can i control this is is this gonna change if I have a conversation? If it's something that the flexibility of your work-life balance, is this something if I speak to my manager, can this change and will my happiness then improve? Um, and I think that's that's probably a very important thing that people should probably um, consider if they're thinking about leaving job, is to really concentrate and think about the things that are in their control, and if and if the things that aren't in aren't in your control are the things that are really really annoying you, then yeah, maybe maybe you should leave. But you should definitely try and concentrate on the things that are there that you feel that are possible to change. Yeah. yeah, and
1: and I think you know it's about saying that you know the message is have I done what I can because changing and moving is not purely the solution because exactly. no job is perfect. There will be challenges in that other job as well. Mm-hmm. And so it's, it's just overcoming that. And, and maybe there might even be patterns that if you don't deal with it, then you'll go to a new job and experience it over there.
0: Yes, exactly. Ex- that's, a, that's a very, very good point. Um, when it comes to the interview process, that can be quite a daunting experience for a lot of people um depending on on the type of person that you are but how can people um mentally prepare for an interview especially if it's going to be over zoom or teams
1: okay yeah well i i would suggest for people to first of all just focus on um the preparation part of it that normally most people would do on an interview so be so come prepared do your research have a little bit of a practice for answering questions um on virtual i would say maybe even try and record yourself because that's also kind of a different perspective of seeing yourself um on the camera yeah yeah just so kind of the, the same way that we would prepare for an interview of like um how would I present myself? What would I wear? What would I look like? Mm. And then being able to calm yourself down. This is more of the psychological um, practice of mindfulness and meditation, you know? So that goes a long way. Mm. Um, There are a lot of resources through apps now that you can download, that you could listen to that you might want to do the night of or the morning of your interview. And in, in those meditation, to extend that a little bit, is to visualize yourself doing well. Yeah. Yeah, so visualize yourself in that situation where you're answering questions, where you're um, talking about something that you're passionate about and you're coming across and selling yourself yeah. really well, confidently, and being able to manifest basically getting, getting the, job the job before you've actually even started the interview. That's awesome.
0: Those are those are perfect answers. I like the idea of, of manifesting and, and putting yourself in a position where you're actually seeing yourself do well. I think that's so important to go and do things like a job interview, um, especially something as important as that to kind of allow yourself the the grace to actually believe that you're gonna do well instead of concentrating on, oh my goodness, what if I I mess up or what if I don't answer these questions well, but envision what if I do answer them well? Because I find people naturally always gravitate towards the negative of an experience instead of the positive.
1: That's right. And I think if you, just on that note about what sort of thoughts are you entertaining, Mm. right? So if you're quite anxious, typically those thoughts will be the what if, and it's not what if I do well, right? It's even um, specific to that. It's like, what if I blow it? What if I don't know the answer? What if, and as you're saying those things, even though they're not true, Mm. I bet you would start to feel more and more anxious and obviously more and more um, probably doubtful, because that that is what anxiety creates in us. It creates fear, it creates doubt, and that starts to really affect how we hold ourselves, you know, in terms Mm. of body posture, in terms of language. It doesn't help with our memory because once we start to get anxious, we forget. So you might kind of be at the interview forgetting something that you had rehearsed 10 times. So the focus is about being calm. The focus is about redirecting your energy and your thoughts to do well and the assumptions are hopefully good you know in terms of like what you will direct your th- thinking towards because that's what's really going to help you in that moment
0: that is perfect And um, just to finish off and um, we just wanted to do th- three quick fire questions and um, to you that we've uh, got from a couple people or a few people in the office so um how do you work on your mental health what are, what are the kind of things that you would do?
1: Oh, that's a big question. How long have we got? <laughs>
0: <laughs> got all there. <day. laughs>
1: so, well, just, a, like...
0: just a few main things.
1: Okay. Um, yeah.
0: For example, for me, I always ensure that I get up and go for a walk, something as simple as that. Or I take 15 to 20 minutes to just read a book of some sort. Um, or lie down in a bit of silence in the house before I start work. So, what are the kind of like really quite simple things that you do that that someone can maybe incorporate if they don't really do something like that. Yeah. Yeah. So
1: I would say, think of the word pair, P-E-A-R. So that represents categories of what would help us feel good to kind of like what you were saying. So P is for pleasure. So the things that make you feel good about yourself, things that you enjoy. E is for exercise. So that's whether that's um, incidental exercise, walking, um, playing sport, going to the gym, so any physical activity that gets the body going. Mm-hmm. A is for achievement. So making sure that, you know, there is a balance of you setting goals, whether that's like weekly goals, daily goals that make you feel good about achieving them. Yes. And R is for rest. So that's making sure that there is enough downtime and for you to be able to to rest. And literally sometimes the rest can just be like, how many hours of sleep do you get a night? What is your wind down period look like and so on. So a combination of pleasure, leisure, exercise, achievement activity, and rest. And if you think about that, work falls in the A category, which is the achievement yeah. part, right? Yeah, and we yeah. kind of think, well, how much of the A is overtaking the other or, things yeah, yeah, yeah. and vice versa, you know, when we're kind of like procrastinating, we might be pushing the A out yes. and then you and using the other things for um, procrastinating and avoiding, but we need a combination of all of them in a healthy level.
0: And I think that kind of covers my next question as well, is what is your idea of a good work-life balance?
1: combination of all of that (laughs) but i like i like what you're saying about like having a routine obviously this is this is a good thing that the more you have something established because our brains tend to like to do things in an automatic pilot and there's benefits to that as well because you know it doesn't use up our brain, brain for like much. decisions, and we tend to have less decision fatigue. Mm. So having routines really sets us up in regards to, you know, what how we exercise in the morning if we want to get up, listening to podcasts, always learning and developing yeah. new skills that make us feel, um, yeah, make us feel good about ourselves. So it's just things like that and being attuned to what works for you.
0: Awesome. With that being said, thank you very much, Eileen, for the afternoon and uh, helping us uh, educate people on their their mental health and their mental wealth, um, especially when it comes to work-life balance and major life changes. But what? Where can people find you? so people
1: yeah people can find me on across social media so i'm on instagram as dr aileen on facebook it's my work practice so it's mindset consulting psychology and also on my website which is mindsetpsychology.com.au
0: awesome thank you very much thank you so much thank you everyone for listening